When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's 624. It's not important. It's I'll figure that out afterwards with Dr. Scott Youngblood. And uh, please introduce yourself, my man. So, hello. Uh, I am an orthopedic surgeon who's been practicing in San Diego for quite a while. And um, uh, so I was actually in the Navy uh, and just recently retired. And so I've been a practicing orthopedic surgeon for about uh, 15 years. If you count residency, it'd be about 20 years. Uh, and um, I have ex- extensive um, history in instructing residents uh, and uh, medical students and talking about the medical literature and uh, interpreting it and then helping to use it as a guide uh, for medical practice. Uh, my, my late uncle Court was, a, was an orthopedic surgeon and uh, in his brilliant manner in 2013, after I got my, I got my, I got my MCAT scores back on June, no, July 1st, 2013, and I killed it. I got in like the top four percentile, and I was so excited. I was at the gym. Awesome. Yeah, and I was working out, and I was hitting the punching bag, and I just felt like, I mean, you understand it. I just felt like on top of the world, and I really landed a haymaker and uh, pretty much broke my wrist, and I couldn't move it, and <laughs> I went to a couple doctors, and none of them knew what to do, so I finally went up to my uncle court in New Hampshire, you know, back porch, you know, no x-ray machines, nothing, you know, a tall glass of straight vodka and a cigarette. And he picked it up and he's moving around. He's like, yeah, you did this. You did this. He's like, you're pretty stupid. Uh, pretty much. I think you're all right. He's like, just kind of, you know, don't be a bitch about it. And I was like, thanks, Uncle Court. So that's my experience with orthopedic surgery it was not a surgery at all. But um, so getting into vaccine mandates and getting into, well, now, I guess for all future listeners today, Friday, November 19th, 2021, um, it appears that the Biden administration is slowly backing down off of the mandates. Um, but as as you're saying, as Dr. Robert Malone has said on this podcast, as Dr. Peter McCullough has said on this podcast, Fareed, Saeed, Alexander, Hatfield, Alvec, Nass, as they've all said on here, there is no basis for these mandates. I mean, legally, there is no basis, but also medically, as medical professionals, the the harm far outweighs the good and and then for me who i am not a legal or medical professional what i see just very clearly is something that anyone can see without a phd or a doctorate is if they're making record-breaking profits i i just i don't i don't get the warm fuzzy feeling inside that we're all in this together but that's my own side tangent but what are your thoughts on this and what exactly would you like to hit on so uh, I guess first I would like to just start off with, uh, you know, the science. And uh, over the past, well, what's it been, 20 months or so, you know, we've heard lots of people invoking science and everything. And whether you look at the lockdowns, whether you look at masking, and, and now with vaccines, a lot of the things that uh, office holders and politicians have been saying are, in fact, not really what the science says. 
and uh, in, it's counterfactual. And I've been sitting, uh, listening to all this, and you're kind of one after another, you're all, uh, you'd be like, you know, that's not actually what it says. So finally, I had to, to speak up and I went to the uh, San Diego County Board of Supervisors uh, and spoke for a few minutes, uh, kind of summing up uh, the evidence on vaccines and vaccine mandates, and specifically this the Pfizer study. Uh, what happens, I think, is that the um, the FDA and the CDC, they'll come out and they'll say, okay, the vaccine works, it's safe and effective, everybody get it. And um, what I did is I tried to stop and back up and say the, the Pfizer study, the original study that they did uh, with 44,000 patients uh, did not show a reduction in mortality in the patients who received the vaccine. And I think that that is a very important um, uh, endpoint. It is the most important endpoint. And I think that a lot of patients... Uh, a lot of people would kind of like say, excuse me, what did you say? Uh, it was all, uh, it's all sort of been sold or represented as a deadly disease and that the vaccine was, was going to save your life. And um, if you just kind of put those big, uh, that um, very fundamental problem with the vaccines um, in perspective, all of a sudden, a lot of, it, it, it's very hard to mandate something that really has only been shown in the first few months after it uh, to reduce symptomatic infections. So fever, nausea, vomiting, loss of taste or smell, like that's all it has really been shown. It has also been shown to reduce uh, the severe COVID cases, uh, but it hasn't been shown to reduce death. Uh, and in fact, uh, you could even argue that it's, it trends toward uh, causing more death in the vaccine group in the studies uh, that have been published about the Pfizer or the Pfizer study. Uh, so certainly nothing, um, uh, you know, that rises to the level of mandating uh, vaccines. So, um, and then I would like to talk a little bit about uh, levels of evidence. So in the medical literature and in medical practice, what we're supposed to do is evaluate the various studies on the levels of evidence. And so the, the you know, it, it works up is that there are levels. And so very down at the bottom, there's so-called um, expert opinion. And then you have case series and you have uh, retrospective case studies and retrospective and then prospective case studies. And at the very top is the randomized controlled trial. And that's what Pfizer did. And so it's the most powerful to look at because it has a control group where, where you have a group of people who did not get the uh, the vaccine, um, and so when we look at that, it's when so many public health officials right now are uh, some, uh, simply just stating, "Oh, there's this percentage of people who are in the hospital and are unvaccinated, or they are vaccinated, etc." It's very hard to look at that and make a make a good uh, decision because there is no control group. And that's what really going back to the original study and looking at it uh, pr uh, provides you the ability to do. You know, you know what it's kind of like is like uh, you'll hear people say, and I'm not really a big sports guy, but when you'll hear people argue about like who's the best whatever all time, who's the best quarterback, who's the best point guard, who's the best goalie, and you have this very which is kind of like the like the opinion poll article, right? You can have these very emotionally triggering 
top 10 videos on YouTube of, you know, Michael Jordan sinking a three-pointer and the crowd goes insane and and you're like, he's the best. But then, like, you could just as easily be like, well, what about the time this guy dunked and broke the backboard? Or what about this Hail Mary? And eventually you do have to get to a point where you have to strip it all down and get an Excel sheet and go, who threw the most yards? Who has the most Super Bowl champ? And it's it's not fun. It's not sexy. But it is a fact. And so you can actually look up. You'd be like, oh, you know, actually the guy who did the most whatever, he actually retired in 1977. Like he's – we just don't really talk about it. But you can do these things where you talk about what's the tallest th- – I love skyscrapers, right? But there's all these different, there's to the roof, then there's the top, the highest habitable floor, and then there's spire, and then there's functional spire, which is like an antenna. And it's all these back and forth. And if you're a layman just looking at it, you might go, oh, this this radio mast in Poland is taller than that. And it's like, but that's a radio mast versus this is the Sears Tower. You can actually go up there. So you do have to look at the controlled studies and go, what is... The un- I don't care opinion this or this doctor that or this celebrity this. Eventually, you have to just go strip it all down, black and white Excel sheet. It should be something boring that gives you a migraine to look at. And those numbers, when you do get down to that, they're almost hard to accept because you're like, well, why did we do this whole lockdown? What are we doing with these mandated vaccines? What do you mean safe and effective? I why did I get permanently banned from YouTube for interviewing Dr. Malone? Because he said it wasn't safe and effective. And you go and look at it, and it's actually, look, what are we doing? There's this whole hysteria. It's like everyone buying toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. And it's like, what, was it was it, was it it passable dysentery? And it's like, no, it was a respiratory disease. And it's, why did we do that? I don't know. Someone else started doing it. It's like a stampede. So, yeah, yeah that, I, I, I believe that's what you're saying, right, is... Right. And, and, and I would say that even with uh, the sports analogy, that the best way to determine that who's better is to look at their head-to-head matchups if they yes. exist. Yes. And that's what the randomized controlled trial uh, looks at. And um, so uh, if I can just talk a little bit sure. about randomized Take it, controlled man. trials. Take it. Uh, so the best way to study anything in medicine uh, is a prospective double-blind randomized controlled trial. So it's prospective, meaning it starts at a time zero, and then you look forward because there's always problems with looking in the past at anything. It's double blind because both the patient and the researcher or doctor uh, are blinded to what the patient actually is getting. Are, are they getting the placebo or the vaccine? In this way, it prevents them from treating the patient differently based on what they got. And it's randomized. So a, the patient comes in for enrollment, patient number one, and they get enrolled to the first group, the vaccine group, say, and then the next one comes in and they get a random number generator, sends them into the other group. And then with time, that allows you to kind of uh, to uh, even up all the differences that are out there in the population. And it also prevents you from the, vac- from the uh, researchers to say, oh, well, you're young and healthy. You're probably going to do, do well with the virus. So we're going to put you in our vaccine group. And, oh, you're morbidly obese and you have diabetes and you're not going to do well with the virus. So we're going to put you in the placebo group. So that prevents that. And then what happens, you have these two really large groups that are essentially the same. And then you, the only difference in, a, in the perfect randomized controlled trial 
is whether someone gets the vaccine or someone gets the placebo. And then you follow them with, uh, with time and then you observe the results. And the great thing about the randomized controlled trial is that it allows you to uh, make a very tight causation argument. Well, <clears throat> if the only thing that was different between the two groups at the beginning, that difference must be responsible for uh, the observed difference at the end. It can't be anything else. And in the Pfizer study, uh, you know, there were just there were slightly more people who died in the uh, vaccine group versus the placebo group, 15 to 14. People were then unblinded and allowed to cross over. Uh, so they were essentially told, hey, you got the placebo. You can now get the vaccine if you want it. And it looks like about 17,000 out of the 22,000 uh, um, in the placebo group decided to do that. And then two of those people who crossed over died and three additional patients who were in the original vaccine group died. So then it was like 20 to 14 in terms of uh, the deaths in the group. That's not statistically significant, uh, but uh, you know, it certainly kind of blows the water uh, or blows the argument out of the water for um, the ability for anyone to say that the vaccine, meaning the Pfizer vaccine, uh, saves lives. And, and specifically, even though it was really good at um, preventing severe COVID in the first six months, the, the problem was were these very high uh, adverse events uh, that were in the vaccine group. So overall, twice as high in the vaccine group, uh, overall adverse events, the related adverse events were four times as high and the severe adverse events were twice as high. Uh, so when you look at severe adverse events, those were hospitalizations. And the hospitalizations, uh, that's for things like strokes, heart attacks, myocarditis, pericarditis. Uh, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, all of those things, you are going to go to the hospital or the emergency room. You're likely going to uh, be admitted for all of those conditions. And so they were much greater in the vaccine group. And I essentially, in my mind, uh, I think that uh, the take-home message is that the, uh, the adverse events associated with the vaccine essentially cancels out any benefit uh, with covid uh, with the vaccine. And uh, I think that's the big question uh, in my mind, or the answer to the big question is uh, when you look at that study. Um, but again, uh, as you said, it, there's just nothing that uh, justifies a, uh, a mandate uh, to be forced to take something like that. And um, again, it's, it's, and I, and I, and I hate to be hyperbolic or, or pearl clutching but man again this does it not all go back to the nuremberg code like voluntary consent coercion or is that is that is that pulling the emotional card is that this is you know this is worse than literally hitler uh well i would say there is probably in some circumstances there is a viable uh public health argument that you could make Having said that, this, vac this virus is nowhere near as deadly as smallpox. People have, have said, oh, well, you know, uh, George Washington, he forced his army to get smallpox. Well, smallpox has a mortality rate of 30%, right? This thing is, um, depending on your age group, 
uh, can be one in several hundred thousand to for children, if you're healthy, one in two and a half million. Uh, and so, uh, yes, I do think the NeuroBurn code uh, applies, especially with regards to uh, this is not a proven treatment, meaning uh, there's lots of unknowns about uh, the, the vaccines as they exist. Um, and what are the long-term effects of uh, the spike protein when it goes into your body? Uh, fertility, mutagenesis uh, issues, uh, other things like that. So, uh, yeah, um, as a surgeon, uh, we are required to every patient that we see, and we see them and they have the, the they hurt their wrist or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I have gone through throughout my entire career having this informed consent discussion with patients. Okay, you've got this problem. Here's the way we can treat it non-operatively. And here's the way we can treat it operatively. And for specifically the surgery that I'm proposing, uh, here are the risks and the benefits. And um, then you take all that in and then you as the patient get to decide. You say, no thanks, I'll take the cast or yes, I do want uh, the surgery. And that really has been kind of the fundamental ethical underpinning of surgical practice for as long as I've practiced. Uh, and, uh, you know, the concepts of informed consent to patients, patient-centered care. And so to mandate anything uh, for uh, patients uh, is really antithetical to ethical practice uh, uh, as a surgeon or really as a physician. So there are lots of ethical issues with mandating um, specifically this vaccine, much less any other vaccine um, uh, it, it, to, in today's um, society. Well, I think it's uh, exceptionally important for medicine because, because it, it, I have a soft spot for doc. I was pre-med college. I got into medical school in Miami. I decided not to go, yeah. but I, I love it. But I'm also aware of the friends I have that did go to medical school and became doctors are so unbelievably intelligent. Like I knew them, you know, before they were doc, and I just, I do hold them in like such high regard. And, you know, it's one thing if it's, you go to the, I don't know, you go to the car dealership and it's like, you need informed consent, but at the same time, everyone kind of knows what they want. They're like, yeah, I just want a big SUV. I don't need it. I don't have any kids, but I just want a big SUV. You know, or I just want to whip around. I'm midlife crisis. I just want to whip around in a Ferrari. Like, hey, yeah, but it costs a lot of money. And it's like, dude, I, I'm loaded. I just give me a Ferrari. I don't care. I want to, you know, drive fast and, you know, die young, whatever. And, but with, with medicine, it's all, well, and that's, so let's take the next tier then, right? just like those tiers of evidence, opinion, and then retrospective, prospective, the next tier you could maybe say is like tech, right? Tech is now, you know, so much more advanced that there are people like me, biology major who started a podcast, I don't know squat about anything. So with everything I have, whether a microphone or a new Mac, this is the third microphone I've had, this is the third camera I've had, from sound panels to lighting, these are all things that I did my due diligence. You know, I'm not just going to listen to what Sony says about their Sony camera because, surprise, they have a vested interest in selling it as well as they should. So you go and watch tech channels. MKBHD is my favorite or Linus Tech Tips. And you see these guys and right there, they've made their money on their own. They, they're not they're not beholden to anyone. But they'll go in and they'll tell you all the way down to the super nitty gritty. This uses this many pins and this silicon. I'm like, well, I don't need to know that. But 
And then they'll kind of give you your conclusion. They're like, look, if you're doing a podcast and you want the higher end, this is what you're doing. And if you're just kind of making some like webcam videos, like this is what you want. So that's even like informed consent for like technology where it's like, okay, it's not quite the car dealership. Medicine is just this like, and perhaps maybe I'm just stupid, but it's this ethereal realm of intelligence of figuring out the human body, which is a mix of magic and science, just like proteins and a hundred trillion cells dancing and electricity and hormones. And you're just like, good Lord almighty. I'm just going to, you know, what's the bottle say? Not more than two every 24 hours. I'll just, I'm going to take your word for it. When people are pressured and there's also social pressure and not only that, and this is getting beyond the scope of this, but shutting down actual debate when I'm having on, I'm not getting paid by Dr. Malone or Dr. McCullough and it gets squashed because we're talking about other things. When people get, you know, character assassinated, a Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers, a Nicki Minaj for talking about things like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, like this is, I mean, the thing that is like most dear, like a parent saying, you'll thank me when you're older. That parent is guiding a kid who you know, doesn't even understand math yet. Like you, you really hope that that parent has the best in mind because that parent understands insurance and savings and property taxes. And the kid is just like, he has to eat his vegetables to play like Super Mario. You have to really hope that they have your best things in mind. And thank God for things like the Nuremberg Code or medical malpractice. But when all these when the fangs come out, right? I mean, that's not to make a very drastic and hyperbolic analogy, but that's what's so insidious about like a pedophile, like you're preying on a child, right? There's something about it when you have people going out, it's safe and effective. You're not a horse. Don't take this. What are you talking about? Save grandma, do it for your country, you know, do everything. Don't be a conspiracy theorist, but they know they know exactly what's going on. They know about the double blind trials. They know the efficacy of these early treatment protocols, a la Dr. McCullough and Dr. Fareed. And they're still moving forward with this and then shutting down debate about everything else. Yeah, well, it's evil. Uh, I, I would say there are a few comments. Sure. First, I would say that there are a lot of physicians out there that unfortunately, um, for one reason or another, aren't really reading the primary literature on uh, COVID and the vaccines, et cetera. It, maybe they're really busy. Maybe um, it's not really their specialty um, uh, or for whatever reason, they just haven't taken the opportunity to look into it. So I would encourage any physician who's interested in this to, when you see a medical article uh, from some of the uh, journals and news sources to just don't even, you know, just look for the link to the original study and then read it for yourself and don't rely on uh, someone to interpret it or tell you what this shows or to summarize it because uh, um, you can't, you can't necessarily rely on that. And um, there are a lot of issues with looking, looking through the, the actual primary literature, making your own decision. Uh, versus uh, letting you know or just listening to uh, the popular version of what your or what this study shows and what uh, what the risks and benefits are, uh, because it, in many cases it's different. For me, um, I would say that uh, some of the uh, events that are that sort of cause me to question a lot of a lot of what I've heard is, um, you know, the the evidence on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. 
Now, you can, there are really two questions with those medications. Uh, the first question is, are they safe? And the second is, are they effective? So if you, even if you put the effective one aside, you know, for uh, many months, they waged this war um, first, on iver, uh, first on hydroxychloroquine and then, then on ivermectin about how, how it's unsafe, these medications. And these are some of the two safest medications in the entire formulary. And it's really just mind boggling to see the FDA and the CDC and really all of the press um, to really go after these two medications and say that they're uh, unsafe and they're veterinary medicines, et cetera. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it has been, and then the more and more you peel away at this onion, the more you realize that a lot of the things that you've been hearing in corporate media uh, and even from the FDA and the CDC are not really well supported by the evidence. It's, uh, I think what it is, is it's, uh, is it's corporate capture. You know, I'd, I'd had on, um, I had on a, a Mike Baum yesterday who successfully took Monsanto to, to court and won. Um, but what it is, is it's, it's one thing to do shady stuff. It's another thing when you basically buy out or own the regulatory agency, or as Dr. Pierre Corey said so eloquently on Joe Rogan, it's like if the plane you're on suddenly shifts and you wake up and then the intercom comes on and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. Please excuse that. That was just a little turbulence. And you go, oh, thank God. But what really happened is now there's a terrorist in the cockpit with a gun to the head of the pilot and he's saying, say it's, say it's okay. Say it was turbulence. Say it's safe and effective. Or worse, because at least with a gun, you're like, well, that guy had to. Or worse, it's a big bag of cash, which is really what's happening. And it's going, say it's safe and effective. So when you have, and this is now, I've been speculating this wildly because I'm allowed to. It's my own podcast. I can just say whatever I want. But now with that guy yesterday, uh, Mr. Baum, who has took took Monsanto to court and won something like $2.3 billion for the class action. It's like they have the documents showing how, you know, going to the FDA or like the EPA and then, you know, yeah, declassified things of them saying, just say it's, you know, say it's, that it doesn't cause, say it's not carcinogenic, say it doesn't cause tumors, blah, blah, blah. You shut down this study. Well, it's, it's capture. So it's, it's, you know, you could say like uh, Rotten Tomatoes, like the movie critic website, right? When it first came out, it was like, oh, this one's real. It's organic, right? It's because before that, you know, a terrible movie would come out and they'd be like, it's the best ever. And you go see it and you're like, oh, well, of course they're all, they're on the pocket of each other. Rotten Tomatoes came out. And you're like, what does it really say? And it'd be like, this movie sucks or this movie is amazing. But over the last couple of years, you can just tell it's been captured because now it's every same movie is, oh, stunning and brave. It's fantastic. So what I believe you're talking about, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, is it seems in my limited scope of knowledge and experience is it seems like regulatory capture. Right. And I think, uh, I think the point has been made before that I think in 1997, the FDA began to allow direct-to-consumer advertising. So all of a sudden, Big Pharma started spending a lot of money on advertising. And the media, the corporate media, you know, they started receiving a tremendous amount of revenue. And so it's very hard to challenge uh, the you know, to bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. Uh, and so that may have been the death of, you know, the corporate corporate media from really acting as a um, arbiter of truth and to really second guess or question uh, what's being said by big pharma. 
The other thing that I would say is that, um, you know, they say is the truth should be able to withstand challenges and questioning, right? And I think that that is uh, very important, that that's how you actually uh, arrive at the truth is through cross-examination and being challenged. Whereas a falsehood or a lie uh, does not like to be challenged because it will not uh, withstand being challenged. And I know that, uh, you know, the big luminaries in this uh, movement to try to uh, bring awareness to this issue, like Malone and Dr. McCullough and Dr. Tyson and Fareed, they, no one is willing to debate them uh, in a public space or, or forum uh, because they know they'd lose. And uh, uh, one other point I would make is that uh, it's really interesting to, uh, there was at least two instances that I can think of where people who aren't necessarily physicians really essentially just blew up people uh, in a figurative sense um, talking, uh, just asking them questions. And, you know, so uh, Joe Rogan, who of course is an MMA fighter, he's very intelligent and everything, but he had on Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who's a neurosurgeon. And, um, you know, so I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, Neurosurgeons are brilliant. They are, it's very competitive to get into that specialty. Uh, They have to be, uh, they are very intelligent. I've never met an unintelligent neurosurgeon. And Joe Rogan just simply kind of owned owned him when it came to the ivermectin and the horse paste and all that stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dr. Gupta didn't really have anything to, to say other than, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and so here you have uh, an MMA fighter uh, who, who is just, you know, kind of uh, in, in a debate blowing up uh, a neurosurgeon because he has the evidence and the yes, facts yes. on his side. Yes. And the second instance, I think, was a reporter who asked uh, Dr. Fauci, okay, uh, well, if natural immunity is so effective and maybe even more effective than the vaccine uh, at protecting people, why don't why are you still mandating it for people who have natural immunity? And I think he was a little taken aback by the question, and he said, well, I don't really have a good answer for that now. I'll have to get back to you. That's a great question. Right? And so this is something that like a society and employers and the government is looking at ruining people's lives, ending their careers, ending their professions, you know, making them bankrupt uh, for people who, who potentially have natural immunity, um, um, which is vastly better than uh, the vaccine-mediated immunity. Um, so these are things where like, even very intelligent physicians can't really defend the party line uh, when they're challenged because the medical evidence is so against them and so against the popular narrative. You know, it's like uh, I've, I have on this podcast all the time, one of the guys who kind of befriended through this podcast, Dale Comstock youngest ever member of Delta Force. Now, so he would be Sanjay Gupta, right? He would be <laughs> he would be the tip of the spear, the best. And I would be Joe Rogan. I would just be the, you know, I've shot a gun a handful of times in my life and this guy is like an actual assassin. But it would be like if Dale was shilling uh, Comstock body armor and it was actually just kind of made of like cardboard and like chicken feathers. It was really cheap, made in China. And then I've got a Kevlar plate on and we could argue and, you know, 
maybe Facebook censoring me. They're going Comstock armor is safe and effective. Tommy's armor is for horses. But eventually it's like, hey, hey, you know, eventually I get him on the podcast. And I'm like, hey, let's go out into a field. I got a third party, buddy. He's, he's going to shoot us both with a hollow point. Well, I, I, I don't know if we should do that right now, Tom. I'll be like, let's just do it real quick. Let's just screw it. Like, shoot me. Mine's made out of Kevlar. I know it's okay. And he's, you know, well, you know, Tom, let me get back to you with that. That's what it is, is when the evidence is so overwhelming. One thing I used to do in college, because I loved organic chemistry, is I would study it nonstop. I, I thoroughly. So you were the one. I was that kid. I got the highest grade. I got the highest grade in OCHEM 2 and the second highest in OCHEM 1. The UGA, big classes. I loved it. Perhaps it's my clinical OCD. I loved it. And what I hated was there were some kids getting just as high scores as me, but I knew they weren't studying. And I remember like like a little Machiavelli, I, I kind of befriended him. It turns out they had their guys in fraternities and they had access to the old tests. And so what I did is I got those tests and I was like, oh, thanks, man. And I realized they weren't learning it. They were just memorizing the answers. Now, that's right. fine if everything is the exact, this ketone plus this aldehyde plus heat and acid, you don't need to understand it if you can just draw the structure. They don't actually understand it. So what I did is I scanned them all and then like I anonymously uploaded it to like the student forum. So everyone had them and eventually got to the professor. So everything got switched. They got killed. I aced the class, like half the class failed out. But the point was, is that when it came to, I know I'm, a lot of kids that had to take an extra semester of college because man, I, 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 no regrets. The point is though, is that when you kind of took the flashcards away, if you will, right? Sanjay said during the interview, you can tell from the corporate media where everything is stacked in his favor. What do you keep saying? We're going, well, Joe, we're going really, really fast. You, you just see Rogan just kind of sitting there. He's like, do you think it's wrong? We'll go, we'll go to whatever else you want to. He's like, let's not jump around. Do you think it's wrong? And finally, he's like, I get it. It can be used for humans. And he was like, not can be, is often. And to me, that's... Originally, yes. Yeah. Yes. It was... Yes. Satoshi overwhelming yeah. evidence. Yeah. Uh, refuting, you know, his, what his network had been doing. Yes. Yes. So that's the point I'm getting at is like, when it comes to the truth being on, I knew I understood Okim and I took the rug out from under them and they were, you know, rightfully got the grades they deserved. I know my Kevlar is Kevlar. I know you're wearing egg cartons, put it to the test. And when you can't put it to the test, well, what do you do? You squash it, censor it, and you attack their character. Joe Rogan, meathead, far-right QAnon, took horse paste versus when you sit down and shed light onto it. Truth is that which cannot be torn away more. It's an element, right? You boil everything else away and you get whatever. Right. And I think another uh, important point is just how... Um, uh, unethical that is. So as yeah. either the CDC or the FDA to uh, put out all those articles and those notices to, to patients about, oh, this is horse paste. You're not a, you're not a horse. Yeah. You shouldn't yeah. take this. That is the kind of condescending attitude that um, is re there's really no place for it in medicine. Uh, you know, so if I did that, or if there was a physician that I worked with, or a medical student, or a resident who was instructing, if they uh, took that kind of attitude with a patient, very condescending, belittling, uh, they would pretty much get counseled. You would pull them out of the room 
And, you know, you would sternly counsel them about how inappropriate that kind of attitude was. And so uh, I'm not really sure who's doing the messaging for the CDC or the FDA, but uh, specifically with regards to that, the whole horse, horse pace thing, um, just completely inappropriate. And the reason why people were looking for it uh, is because, you know, the ivermectin um, has been uh, through various mechanisms, very hard to get for patients who are interested in getting it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not good. And it's, it's also not, but it's not just isolated to, you know, that's a bad doctor. What they're doing is they're hurting the, the, maybe some like Carl Jung, like, but like the, the mass consciousness sort of inherent trust in the physician, the white coat, the doctor, you know, you go and you sound exactly like a doctor. Like you go and you can just, I'm like, this is a guy that would talk to me and tell me what I need to do. And I'd be like, okay, right. They're now ruining that for everyone because when it does come out and it will come out because it's science, how many doctors are now, you know, let's say in 10 years and it's, this is all known as the big, you know, ivermectin fiasco of 2020 and now they're coming into you and you're like hey like you actually you need to get your tetanus shot right you're a young kid if you get hurt and they're going "Mm, uh, all right mr fauci and you're like no this really is like you need to get this one they're now hurting every doctor right and i think that uh the, the fda and the cdc and public health officials uh at various levels throughout the government state local and federal I mean, they have um, really hurt their uh, reputation and their credibility, I mean, for, with a huge segment of the population. And quite frankly, the more people find out about it, what's going on, uh, the worse it gets for them. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about individual physicians, but uh, I, I, I think that they have been muzzled. They have been intimidated into silence. Uh, many of them are young. They have big, big schools from or big loans from medical mm-hmm. school uh, and other reasons that they they don't um, you know they don't want to speak out because they've been intimidated. Um, but hopefully they're they're doing their best to um, give their patients uh, you know the truth you know when they meet them individually. But yeah, I think that uh, uh, organized medicine has got some big uh, soul-searching and um, uh, opportunities for, for uh, second-guessing itself with regards to how we've approached uh, mass vaccinations and recommendations to vaccinations. I mean, you could have that informed consent discussion, but, uh, I mean, my own wife, when she went in to see the pediatrician, it, it was kind of pushed on her with, uh, with our children, um, are, are recommended, and uh, she just politely declined. But... Um, it's, it certainly is out there, and I think that more and more physicians need to read the primary literature and start asking about what the risks are uh, instead of just the benefits. And I'll say one more thing. There are physicians sure. out there who I think they, they have an experience where they maybe they work in an emergency room or they work in an ICU and they see patients, especially early on um, at when the vaccinations were new, where maybe the vaccinated did better than the unvaccinated. And so that's part of that where you're only seeing the one side of it. You're, they're not seeing the adverse events and deaths that happened, um, you know, when they, when they had the vaccine. And so really the only way that you're going to 
So they're getting a very selective uh, uh, look at what's going on. They're only seeing the patient that's in front of them. And what they're not seeing are the patients who were vaccine injured uh, or had other adverse events or deaths. Uh, so really you have, to, you have to look at that all in totality and to kind of step back and say, okay, as it turns out, when you look at these, the, these original studies, the, the groups really didn't do any better in terms of mortality. Uh, and that, that can be said also for the Moderna uh, vaccine. Uh, the original Moderna uh, randomized controlled trial didn't show benefit either in mortality reduction. It's, um, yeah, there's, there's also, yeah, there's a lot of people that, well, first of all, like you said, uh, the doctors who are burdened by loans, right? I mean, I, uh, two weeks ago, I had on Dr. Uh, Ed Bauer, uh, who is an, uh, an army physician and was recently let go. And he's, I mean, he's a young guy, he's got kids and he's someone that did stand up, but there are a lot. And, and I, you know, and it's, it's very easy for me, 31, no kids, no debt, no wife living in an apartment, doing a podcast. It's very easy for me to say, yeah, take a stand and stand up. Now there are a lot of guys, the friends I had that went to medical school. Well, they're also sitting on 350k of loans without interest married you know one kid another on the way and all of a sudden they hear me and i'm like hey stand up for what's right and they're like dude i've got you know i've got a bottom line and you know it's just me and you know i, I don't necessarily blame them for going along to get along like I, ideally they should stand up but it's also very easy for me to say that because I, I i don't live a life that is anywhere remotely similar to them and it's, but, but then there are individuals like you, McCullough Malone, who are standing up and are doing the right thing. And you can see how quickly, how viciously attacked you are, right? The nail that sticks out gets hit with the hammer. Right. You know, it's interesting. Uh, so I live here in San Diego County and I, I was connected with uh, one of the ladies from Reopen San Diego and I, uh, Hallie Hartman. Uh, I, um, I believe it was Amy Reichert, but uh, she said, um, when I first talk, uh, talked to her, she said, oh, Dr. Youngblood, I'm so, we're so excited. You're going to be the first physician who's going to speak publicly on this. And this is San Diego County, which ha happens to have, I think, like 3.3 .3 million people in it. So there are thousands and thousands of physicians. And she's telling me this, and I'm just like, great, great. There's, there is... Very little that is going to happen with this that's going to help my career. Uh, there's uh, a lot of potential downside, which is another reason why, you know, anytime you hear something from anybody, much less a public official, you need to be asking, like, what, what are they benefit? How do they benefit from from what they're telling me? And I, I just can't imagine how... Uh, either myself or Dr. Malone or McCullough or any of the others that we've mentioned, how they're really going to benefit uh, from standing up and saying, no, this is not what the studies and the evidence is showing. Like what we're doing is a real problem. Their lives have been eviscerated. Dr. Malone, right? Removed from like, Dr. Malone has been IP banned from the uh, New England Journal of Medicine. He can't do that yeah. anymore. Uh, Dr. McCullough has lost, he's been on here. He's lost his job. He's getting sued by Baylor. Like it's, you know, it's people's lives are being ripped apart. Like there's nothing. It'd be one thing if, hey, big ivermectin was giving us checks and all of a sudden, did you notice how Tommy and Dr. Youngblood and Dr. Mc, 
have you noticed how they're all driving like matching Bentleys? That's weird. And all their license plates just horse paste with no vowels. Like, huh, that's not happening. I'm not a doctor, but my podcast, which I started above my parents' garage and only moved out last or earlier this year, and it's slowly building. And I got it up to 6,500 subscribers on YouTube, and I got permanently banned because I believed in what I was doing and talking to these doctors, regardless of COVID, just free speech. And now I'm on Rumble, and I'm trying to break 600 subscribers, and that's very hard when I'm trying to get guests on. Hey, so-and-so, would you like to come? And they look at my platform, and they're like, it's not really worth my time. That was a real kick in the balls, but... I didn't benefit from it. I wish I did. I wish there was a big horse paste. I would absolutely take those slime balls checks, but there is no big horse paste. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, there's, there is, uh, there's not a whole lot that's going to happen uh, that's going to benefit people who are speaking out on this. But I think the more and more people that do it, uh, it becomes easier for the next person, which is probably kind of explains why, those that have been the first have received the most um, negative blowback and cancel and attempts at cancellation um, is because they don't want uh, everybody to start doing that and it for to, for mm-hmm. it to become more more acceptable mm-hmm. uh, from doing that. Um, yeah, and um, yeah. So I'd also you know just talk about the 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 vat the. Um, with regards to the complications or adverse events associated with the vaccine. Um, I think that what we've seen early on is that the, um, uh, the adverse events uh, with the elderly patients who have received it, you know, so if someone gets the vaccine and then they have a myocardial infarction, meaning a heart attack, or a blood clot or a stroke or something like that, and they're 70, well, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, they're 70. But I think now as the mandates and the requirements uh, of the age groups are getting lower and lower, all of a sudden, you know, we're having 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who are in very good condition having heart attacks on soccer fields Mm -hmm. and in in sporting events and stuff. And I think even the layperson knows, okay, uh, these are supposed to be really rare but they, in fact, are becoming uh, more uh, more common. And uh, in fact, uh, there may be even a, uh, a 10 to 20 uh, fold increase in those type of sudden cardiac events that are happening among athletes. Um, so I think that as more and more people start to see um, events and adverse events that shouldn't be happening, in young, healthy people. Uh, I think more and more people are going to ask questions, hopefully physicians and patients. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll get there to where people are starting to ask more questions. And I would also say one other thing about uh, the vaccines, you know, there was a study in Sweden that said by day 211 after Pfizer, uh, you essentially have no protection from infection. Uh, against COVID-19. Well, that means that anybody who has had uh, their, their sh- they got their second shot before April 19th of this year, right? Pretty much you don't have any protection from infection. And that there is, a, there is, a, is actually an evidence basis for them to say everybody needs a booster. 
Well, now we have millions and millions of people that were told initially that it was, you know, they were done. Two shots and they're done. And, you know, you look at early on what they were saying to include Dr. Fauci, you can't get it. You can't get sick. You can't die. You can't get hospitalized with this. You're good to go. And that's what I think a lot of people, uh, millions and millions of people in the United States heard and that's, and they acted on that. And I think that as more and more people realize, well, wait a second, we have to get a third shot and a, and there'll be a fourth shot as well. And it doesn't really work. I think that they're, they're really, um, uh, coming to a point where hopefully more and more people are waking up that, uh, what they have been sold, um, uh, is not what they got. Plato's allegory of the cave. I mean, <laughs> the sunlight is blinding. I mean, you can't, right. You can't blot it all out. It starts with, and you're right. You, you can't have someone do it or everyone else will start to get the confidence to do it, which is why they attack it immediately. Right. But Joe Rogan and Nicki Minaj and those two kept going. And then Aaron Rodgers. I mean, but you can almost start to see like, well, how long did that attack last? It just kind of went away. It's because and it's that quote, right? It costs nothing to be the second Patriot. It's very easy to start. It's one of my favorite videos is there's this video of this dude who I mean, I don't know what drugs he's on, but I'd like some. He's at this festival. and He's just <laughs> dancing by himself. Like no shoes, torn pants, just, you know, just, it's like, he's like, I mean, it is a festival, so everyone can hear the music, but it's like, he's the only one that can hear it. And there's like, you can hear the person videotaping, you know, it's a great YouTube video when it's in like 360p, it was uploaded 10 years ago and there's a hundred million views and you just see him dancing. You can kind of hear the girls watching him chuckling. Like, look at this guy. This dude is just living his best life. And finally, and let's look at the, let's look at that length of the video. It's like, we'll just say it's exactly 10 minutes. For the first 50% of the lifespan of this phenomena, it's just him. And between like minute five and six, like some other guy goes and joins him. And everyone's still kind of laughing, like, look at these morons. And then between six and seven, like three guys join him. And the next minute, maybe like 10 guys. And then there's a crowd running to the point where the person in the camera eventually runs in and, and everyone is just going nuts, just losing their mind, just dancing. And it's here's this dude that was just like, I'm going to dance. And everyone eventually went in. But it was a microcosm of like the three stages of truth, right? Like mocking, like violent opposition, and then held to be self-evident. And that's what it was. And it's we see it all throughout the course of human history from saying the world is round instead of flat, from, you know, heliocentric to earth-centric to... Uh, Joseph Lister, right? The the antiseptic technique, and yeah, you got to wash the. We can't actually just take one knife from one surgery and go to the next one, right? It's it goes through all the stages, and eventually, it sticks. Or back to organic chemistry, right? The point of nucleation. Once a couple molecules bind to each other and starts to solidify, then the phase change happens. But really, it, you just have to have the first couple, and then it cascades in an exponential fashion. What we're seeing right now is, and this is why I've been so adamant about it, and I've been doing it since really April of this year. That's the first strike I got for talking about COVID with Dr. Hodkinson, is I've always kept saying, like, don't don't be intimidated by the illusion of the monolith. You're the only one. You're stupid. Just keep poking holes in it. Eventually, the whole thing will come down. And so it's it's me on my little podcast interviewing you interviewing Malone, interviewing McCullough, you see a Joe Rogan here, a Nicki Minaj there, an Aaron Rodgers, 
a tweet here, a video there, uh, a Fauci saying, you know, now we're seeing like more vaccinated people in the hospitals as opposed to the unboosted people. And people are starting to go, hold on, the goalposts are just moving. And then it turns into the dance. And that's kind of how I see it going. And that's why I do these. And that's personally what thank you for coming on here is because every little bit, we're just poking the elephant sure. with pins. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that the, uh, the messaging challenge for the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the rest of the media at this point is on the one hand, they have to tell the, the unvaccinated, hey, the vaccines work <laughs> yeah. and you, everybody needs to get them. They're safe and effective. And then to also, you now they're starting to message the boosters and say, hey, vaccinated, the vaccines don't really work that long and you need to get vaccinated again. Um, and that's a really challenging thing to be telling one group that they, you know, that they don't work and then the other group that they work. So everybody get them. Yeah. Yeah. You got to convince one group of people to go swimming because there is no riptide. And then in the, out of the same mouth, you got to look at the people drowning and try to sell them life jackets. And it's, it's like, <laughs> Hey man, I respect the grift. I respect the hustle. Like you're a snake oil salesman. I get it. But eventually, I mean, it, it pokes through the sun pokes through the clouds and it will be blinding. And, uh, you know, normally if it's anything else, if it was like iPhones and Microsoft, if it was Xbox, PS4, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. The truth will come through, but it's a video game console. This is a lot different when it's millions of people's lives. And there are people who no longer have a grandmother or a brother or with vaccine induced heart attacks. They don't have a brother or a or a daughter or a, I, I lost a brother to suicide in 2014. If that I granted suicide, not anything to do with the vaccine seven years before the even the pandemic. But I just look at my own experiences and I look at the trauma with that and what it did to my family. And though most of it's in the rearview mirror, it still pops up around holidays. If that was from a coordinated effort of people lying to take a vaccine, yeah, I would never forget that, and I would go on a vendetta. It's, well, I mean, there, there is there is a lot of things that have happened, uh, not specifically with the vaccines. I mean, that's bad enough, yeah. but with everything else that's happened in our society associated with COVID, yeah. Uh, so the the media and and everyone else they want they want you to focus just on. The, the deaths from the virus or associated with the virus or whatever that, that might be. But in terms of what our society has done with the lockdowns, Dr. Scott, Scott Atlas has talked a lot about the missed um, preventative care with cancers and screenings and everything that had, that was uh, uh, put off or not performed really. And now we're seeing all these cancers uh, develop at a much and, and present at a much more advanced age uh, or, or stage. And so, and then also with, uh, with suicides and drug overdoses, uh, uh, deaths from drug overdose, both of those are essentially up 30% during the, uh, from the, uh, the pandemic. And that's not really due to COVID, it's due to our response to COVID. Yes. And so you, and then, you know, from a public health standpoint, you look also at uh, the, the quality life years that are lost. Well, if you have someone who dies from suicide and is in their 20s, obviously that's a, a much greater tragedy for society than unfortunately somebody who might pass away in their 80s. Yeah. 
uh, from COVID. And um, so it really is, is, both of them are tragedies, but you could argue that the 20-year-old the dying from uh, a drug overdose is even more uh, uh, tragic. Yeah. Um, and so that's, we, we need to step back and, and look at all that as a society. And I think we'd realize that in fact, those people who, who followed the anti-lockdown, uh, or the, the no lockdown pathway, that was actually the accepted, uh, uh, paradigm for how you, uh, address uh, a pandemic. And, and as it turns out for, for industrialized countries, Sweden is the only one that really followed that. And they were called all these uh, names and anti-science and everything, when in fact, they were the ones actually doing the science uh, and following the science because that was the well-accepted uh, scientific consensus uh, right up until March of 2020. Yeah, yeah, and, and then just, I mean, how many people are laid off from jobs? You know, how many families were fractured? How many, you know, how many divorces happened? How many, you know, kids had their life affected because dad's not bringing home the bacon because he refused to get the vaccine or did finally go get it and then drops dead? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, and this is what Dr., and we'll wrap this one up in like five minutes, but this is what Dr. Upu said, and it's what I've brought up, is we're talking about all these things man, like this can't happen again. It's not enough that we find out the truth and everyone goes to the dance and we all start dancing. The people that perpetrated this and allowed this to happen and facilitated it, I mean, they they have to be tried. Like you can't, You. it's one thing if, I, if I'm if i like, hey, ivermectin's horse pace and I'm not a doctor and then I find out it's working and I go, hey, the guy's egg on my face. The people that knew about this and facilitated this I don't think it's enough that the truth comes out. I mean, these people have to be tried in a court. And I'm not talking about some vigilante justice that's just as bad. But I mean, all this has to be addressed. And I'm not a, I'm not a, a legal expert. I'm not a, a lawyer. And I can't possibly begin to understand what that process would be. But there needs to be something like Nuremberg. And that might be a little insightful. I'm not saying I'm going to hang these people. But you get what no, I'm I saying. Think, there has to be an I investigation. Mean, and they have to be tried. I mean, people have actually talked about a Nuremberg 2.0, but especially if, you know, they knew that what they were doing was um, uh, w was not supported by the science, I mean, that would have to be, um, uh, hard questions would have to be asked and investigations would have to be done. I mean, if you look, I mean, just if, uh, two weeks ago or so, I believe Italy uh, revised down their deaths from COVID in 2020 by 97 percent. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you actually I had to actually go to the go original article yeah. and verify it, and sure enough, they were. And if you recall, it it, it was uh, it came through Italy and then to New York um, uh, here in the United States. And so much of what we thought and understood about the disease and how much, uh, how deadly it was, came from the experience in Italy, right? And uh, so when they came and they locked down the country for 15 days to slow the spread and all that stuff to flatten the curve, like all of that, what was going on in Italy or what had been reported, uh, that was in the back of everyone's mind. And now we find out that 
it was actually only 4% or so of the original tally that was reported in the media, which kind of, uh, it really begs the question where we played. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And Hey man, it's easier to fool someone than convince them they've, they've been fooled. But man, it, you start to look, it's not like, Hey, turns out they revised it, it down to 90% of actual deaths. They reduced it by 97. You start looking around and going, you know, is this Enron, right? Is yeah. this fire festival? Did I just get sold? Is this what I got sold? You know, man, it's like, uh, it's like, imagine if, imagine if there was like the best beer ever, just hyped up Super Bowl commercials, celebrity endorsements, you know, drink this, woo, pan, you know, whatever. Just take all the tropes of every beer advertisement, Budweiser, Corona, whatever. And eventually, and, but it turns out that it was non-alcoholic and some people speak out and they're squashed. But eventually it's like, hey, man, we had this once in a lifetime chance to go to the Super Bowl. We were there and we were all drinking this beer and no one wanted to be the one that said, I'm not getting buzzed, guys. This is, you know, or, you know, you're at your best friend's wedding and you're like, it's just a special day. But, dude, I'm dead sober. I thought we were going to be dancing with our ties on our heads. And eventually it comes out that, hey, man, we got sold uh, non-alcoholic beer. It's going to go from embarrassment very quickly to rage yeah yeah i mean god protect the people that per, uh, perpetrated this and, and i would i would say uh specifically with regards to this vaccine i've made this in some other forums this point is that every month that goes by with the vaccines we get more and more information that makes this these vaccines look worse and worse yeah. the risk benefit ratio is uh, getting worse, meaning the risks we're finding out more and more about the adverse events and the deaths associated with the vaccines. And then the benefits, uh, it looks like it lasts, the benefits last from four to, for four to six months. There's even some early evidence in uh, England that it actually increases your risk of getting infected. And, and then also new evidence that says that uh, it may actually interfere with your body's ability to develop natural immunity if you have all of these non-neutralizing antibodies from the vaccine kind of getting in the way when your body is trying to learn the rest of the virus. Um, and uh, it just is getting worse and worse. And the farther down in age the mandates go, again, the risk uh, versus the benefit analysis gets worse and worse. So I, if... I mean, my advice to any office holder or politician is I would really slow your roll when it comes to these vaccine mandates, because there, like, like you said, there is going to be a time when people realize uh, what they've been sold and, and uh, it's not what they got. Yeah, you might want to take that vaccine money and, and build a bunker. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be the only thing that protects you, man. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, you start jabbing kids, and now, right now, they're they're starting to talk about as young as six months, six to six months to two years. I mean, dude, it's cut your losses now. Cut yeah. your losses now. And even the numbers that the CDC uh, and and other sources have come up with with regards to how many people are infected, 
or excuse me, how many children have died from the virus. When you really start parsing and people start looking at that, the vast majority of those children that have died have other really significant genetic uh, and other um, very serious comorbidities. I mean, so the risk of a young, healthy child dying from the virus is about one in two and a half million. Uh, and that is extremely rare and it is much less than so many other causes of death. Uh, and, um, and then that's just the risk from the virus. And then there are studies looking at the adverse events and the risk of uh, myocarditis in, in boys specifically, all these things add up. And, you know, there's a very strong argument that could be made that the, the risks of the vaccine outweigh any benefit they would give, especially for children. There are some authors uh, and uh, uh, physicians such as Dr. McCullough who says that it is, it is essentially unsafe at any age, the vaccines. So uh, it's getting worse and worse for the vaccines as we learn more and more. You know, there is, a, there is kind of an interesting, ironic uh, symbolic phenomena that's happening and it's right it's like vaccines driving more uh virulent what word am i looking for variants right variants yes, yes, selection yeah. yeah selection driving this right this is that's just it's just what natural selection does it's just the best shark the the tallest giraffe it's just what it does there's something ironic about squashing everyone that talks about this and every doctor that talks about this like no one puts their tail between their legs. They just become more <laughs> fanatic about talking about from Malone to McCullough to, you know, I get banned from YouTube. So now I'm branching out to BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, Spotify, Anchor, like you're squashing it here. And now it's bursting out in five other areas. You're kind of making these variants of people who just won't shut the hell up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So specifically, it's really, it's interesting specifically with the vac the, the vaccine. So the virus itself, COVID-19 has about 50 non-structural proteins and it's got four structural proteins. And one of those structural proteins is the spike protein. And so when you get a natural infection uh, and you have natural immunity, your body is building antibodies For to all those things, right? And so it's very hard to to have a variant or a mutation evade all of those different mechanisms and antibodies to all those different sites. Whereas the vaccine gives you antibodies only to that one spike protein. And so if a, if a variant comes along or a mutation where that spike protein changes a little bit, right? Well, then, then you get that uh, variant escape from your immunity. And I think that's a pretty easy concept to, to, to get with patients that, uh, you know, you're much better off with natural immunity, uh, seeing the entire virus uh, uh, and developing an immunity to that versus just something that's very narrow uh, and it's easy for the, vac for the virus to escape that. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, what word am I looking for? It's kind of like an immunity to, to alcohol right and it's like you're super hungover and you're like i don't ever want to see alcohol again now someone can bring you a beer bottle and you're like screw that beer bottle they can bring you a liquor bottle you're like uh-uh wine bottle uh-uh bloody mary you smell it you're like nope you accidentally take a sip uh-uh 
you know everything about it. You go, I don't want it. I'm hungover. I'm going to puke my brains out versus maybe you had beer. So instead of beer, they bring you a handle of tequila. And you go, oh, well, great. You know, this isn't alcohol. Yeah, man, when you're just isolating that one little piece, uh, it's and then but naturally you can then take that and then blame it on the unvaccinated. Right. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated eventually the truth is going to poke through. It just, it can't, it's science. It just can't, it is that which can't be stripped away further. Regardless of if you and I like it or not, it just is what it is. Yeah. So I, I certainly hope you're right. I mean, I think that there are two ways that all of this can go. It can continue down this path and um, they can win uh, or, um, you know, the truth will, will out and more and more people will just say no uh, and put a stop to it. Uh, but it is, uh, it's very concerning and I hope truth does win out. Oh yeah, no, it's certainly not over yet. I mean, it's right, Austria is now mandating the vaccine for all, all their citizens, I think as of this morning and as of yesterday or two days ago, they're right, it's locked down for all unvaccinated. Australia, which has just gone full toothbrush mustache say Kyle with the right they're making those camps now for anyone that's visiting that is unvaccinated it's either going to keep going that way or it's going to go the other way and so my logic and this will be a great way to kind of wrap this up is just and it's so corny and people roll their eyes but truly just be the change you want to see in the world now does that mean what can I do about it? I, I can't go change legislature, no, but I have a podcast and I have developed some people that regularly watch it. So I know my audience is non-zero. Granted, it might only be a couple hundred or a couple thousand. I know it's non-zero. Well, I've, you know, I've met these doctors, so what can I do? Doctor, Hey, Dr. McCullough, can you put me in touch with some other physicians? Yeah, sure, Tommy. Okay, I can do that. And then physicians like yourself, and it's very easy when you have a Malone or a McCullough, and it's like, well, no, 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 I've had on a ton of doctors. Those are the two names everyone recognizes. I've had on a ton of doctors. Every doctor has a family and some friends, and they all share the link, and they all pass it around. And I post it on other websites under different anonymous names and stuff. And now what is the downside? Well, a lot of people, a lot of friends have stopped talking to me. They think I'm an anti-vaxxer Hitler, which whatever. I literally got my tetanus booster two weeks ago. So I did get a booster, just not this booster. But you can do your part it's because it's very easy to feel helpless how do we solve homelessness i'm not a billionaire no but i mean what you got an extra 20 bucks a month go buy some ramen noodles or some toilet paper just bring it to the homeless shelter they love socks oh that's a huge commodity is they love dry socks can you do a little thing like that i can't clean up the great pacific garbage patch but every i make sure to recycle every day the dumpster is 20 feet out of my walk to the gym do a little thing like that so like what you're doing what I'm doing and not to sound like we're patting each other on the backs, but there is something you can do. Even if you just send a link of this podcast to three people and you come on and that will lead to another doctor that's like, well, now you've had on 30 doctors. Now I don't have to be the first one, right? Well, you talked about in San Diego, you know, McCullough and Malone, they were the, they were the spearhead. They were the beachhead. They were the, right, the first wave on D-Day. But now you can be the fifth and the 30th and the hundredth wave. And it does start to break away. And so instead of sitting here and going, yeah, man, I hope you're right. I hope it is truth that wins. Well, no, you can you can play the game. You can actually put your finger on the scale and you can help it go this direction. 
And when people realize that they are not hopeless bystanders and just observers, right? In a football game, you are an observer. You can't affect the field. If you go on the field, you'll be thrown out and tackled by security. This is different. You can actually affect the game. You can run onto the field and block someone. Like, you can allow your team to go score a touchdown. If we all sit here and go, yeah, man, I hope that I hope what's happening in Australia doesn't come here. Oh, well. Indeed, it will come here. But if you stand up for what you believe in, it's not some Braveheart shit. No, but I mean, just, hey, man, did you see this? This doctor got banned. That's a little weird. That's not good for me. Every little thing, it does erode it, and it causes a groundswell. This is how these things change is... It seems like it's one way up until the a tsunami, 99.9% of its lifespan. I always use this analogy. 99.9% of its lifespan, you can only be, only be seen from a satellite because it's just a slight rise on the horizon. It's not until the last 0.1% that you get all the home videos of people screaming as this thing bulldozes a city. Right now, there's a groundswell. Take part in the groundswell. And instead of it being a little splish splash, bulldoze the existing paradigm of you can't go outside, you got to be scared shitless, take this vaccine or you're a bad person. And if you drop dead, that means it's working. No, you can change it. So don't say, not, no, I'm not saying this to you, but anyone listening or thinking, don't say, man, I hope it works out. Tip, tip the scale, stack the deck, be a corrupt casino, stack it in the house's favor. And yeah, yeah. so. And, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> And I, and I think that uh, you know when you when you look at whether it's airline pilots or mm-hmm. it's nurses or it's physicians, you know, for my own training uh, after college, right? So that's nine years of, uh, and really, if you count fellowships, so uh, ten years of, and so it takes a long time to make one of me. It takes a long time to make a competent uh, uh, and experienced nurse. And the same thing with an airline pilot. And who else is going to take care of the patients? Who else is going to fly the planes? If if and and in all, and in any other profession like that, if all of us just said no, we're not going to uh, take part in this. Uh, we're not. Seriously. We're not. We're not going to continue to push something that really the evidence says doesn't really help uh, patients, and it may in fact be causing a lot of harm. And really, that's one of the reasons that I spoke out is that I do think that a lot of harm is uh, is occurring uh, to, to patients and people who are not being told the full truth. And so years from now, when when someone asks me or my children ask me, you know, what did I do during all this? I'll at least be able to say that I spoke up and did something. Well, and that's that's kind of the, the tail end of what I was going to say about, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. So let's say you're a real negative Nancy. Well, what if you're still the change you want to be in the world? And, you know, Dr. Malone and I have joked about, you know, one day during a podcast, some Pfizer mercenary is just going to put a bullet in my head. That, 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 you know, that I understand that. That might happen. But so what happens if we do everything? Well, I, I shared the link. I subscribed. I lost my job. All these doctors stood up. Now it's the year 2030 and we're all locked in our homes. Well, man, at least when you're dying, you go, dude, I literally did my part. I tried my hardest and that's an internal piece that no one can take away from you where you go, Hey man, I stood up for what was right. I, I knew it. Everyone now knows it. Yeah. There's no point in saying I told you so. Cause now we're all in the gulag, but like at the very least, even if it doesn't work out, man, at least, you know, when you lay down and die, you get to throw up the peace sign and go, <laughs> my fucking heart's clear. 
you know, I, I'm, there's no burden on me. I can tell my kids I try. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think anyone listening, you know, that's what you need to do. You need to start uh, pulling, pulling your own uh, information, uh, getting your own um, uh, information and research, start organizing, meeting, talking to your coworkers. And in the end, you know, if you decide as a group, there's very little that they're going to be able to do because in the end, uh, they need us uh, to end up doing the work. Yeah. And, and I know I've, I've tried to wrap this up several times and I, I obviously I can't stop talking because I love the sound of my voice. I always go back to this analogy and it's a book I read back in August called Winter Fortress by Neil Bascombe. It's all about, uh, was it the Swiss or the Swedish? It, done in part with the British SAS and MI6 to take down uh, the heavy water plant, Nor- North Kedra. In yeah. Sweden, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Because that's in World War II. Yeah, that's what the Nazis were using, and they thought, and we thought at the same time that the mm-hmm. use of heavy water and like graphite uh, cubes was a way to create the A bomb. Right? Leo Szilard defected, came to the U.S. We had our program going on, but if the Nazis got it, you know, shit was going to hit the fan. So there are these guys that they're they were told they were going to go blow up the heavy water plants, but it was all compartmentalized, right? Because you can't have spies and stuff. So a lot of them didn't actually know what they were doing. They thought they were just taking out some one more munitions factory, one more rubber factory. And they were kind of dropped into like the woods around this area and basically told to lay low for like nine months. So they're out there in like the Norwegian winter, right? And they've all learned how to, you know, hunt game because they have to blend in, right? Whenever the whenever they would be dropped in, the Nazis would look for look in the woods for months. So they had to literally lay low until they were no longer kind of suspected. And these guys, you can read their diaries and stuff. They talk about just, you know, going insane. They're in this little, you know, five by five foot hut they've built and it's them and four other dudes. They all smell terrible. They're getting on each other's nerves. One of them snores. The other like never stops talking like me. You know, they're all kind of assholes. And did you take some of my stew when they're hungry and they just want to go home to their wives and to save it all? They don't even know what they're doing. And they, (laughs) they, they question. They're like, why am I not just dipping out and going home? No one will ever know. But they stuck with it, and they had no idea what they were doing, and they blew up the plant, and everything was good. And it wasn't until years later that they knew that they literally helped prevent Adolf fucking Hitler from building an atomic bomb. Now, I'm not saying that everyone listening is taking part in that, but just remember, they had no idea. There were a lot of people that were blowing up munitions plants that really were just building artillery shells. You never know which one is quite literally going to change the course of history. So do your little part. Do your tiny little part. Or you could even say that the people that were blowing up munitions plants, those are still drawing away Nazi resources because now you got to go deal with them. So everyone was involved in that little win. So if you get this and you just text it to a couple people or just talk about it, you know, don't ruin Thanksgiving. Don't get drunk and start yelling at family. But just drop a text here or in a Reddit comment there. There is precedent for this within the last 100 years to stop Adolf Hitler from getting the A-bomb. So I've interviewed Ken Albeck on this podcast, the first deputy director of Biopreparat over in the Soviet Union. They were putting smallpox in Marburg in the nose cones of ICBMs, and he defected. Hey, I think that might have changed the course of history. Do your part and do it well. Don't just wish for things to be better. Actually do your part. And if it all does fail and you didn't blow up the factory and Hitler does get a nuke, at least you get to die going, hey, 
I tried to stop Hitler from getting the nuke. Sorry it didn't work out. Just do your part. And not only that, be grateful <laughs> that you don't have to go stop Hitler from getting a nuke. Be grateful that your battle is not storming Normandy on D-Day, but rather just sharing a Spotify link on Reddit. Our battle, our burden is so tiny that there's really no reason not to do it. And that is my pitch for why everyone should share this podcast. And if that doesn't get you going, then I don't know, you don't have a pulse. So Dr. Youngblood, final thoughts? Uh, no, I think that you summed it up well. We need to uh, continue to look for our own truth, our own research, and uh, start talking to our coworkers, our family, our friends. We need to get the truth out there uh, about the vaccines and COVID and everything that's going on and really try to continue to strive for truth and uh, fight for our family and friends because that's what matters. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, I get excited. You can tell when I get ramped up because my pale Irish face starts to get blood, blood red. I'll start, start screaming about Hitler and vaccines, but that's the way we go. Um, I'd love to have you back on here another time, man. That was awesome. You're a brilliant individual. And um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for giving me an hour and a half out of your day. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Youngblood. I will I will email you the links when it's up and uh, we'll schedule another one. All right. Okay. All, All right. right thank thank you. you. All right. God bless America. Stay safe, Recording everybody. Stopped. Peace.